Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now, here's the show's host with the most, Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us. Another big show coming up very shortly. We're going to speak to Jack LeBrock and talk about his bisted, bisted, blistered feet and how that all went for him in Bathurst and how he's faring up heading into Sandown next weekend. We'll also have a chat to Matt Nolte about this weekend's Shannon's Nationals coming up at Phillip Island. Mark Walker, Richard Quayle to join us as always as well. First of all, the news. And following on from last week's massive weekend supercars, this week has been a tad quieter. News did, however, emerge over the weekend that supercars points leader Shane Van Gisbergen broke his collarbone while mountain biking on Saturday. Van Gisbergen underwent surgery that afternoon in Brisbane to have a plate inserted. Triple Eight released a statement following his surgery stating that it was successful and he was recovering well. They revealed he won't race at this weekend's GT World Challenge opener at Phillip Island. Instead, he will return for the Sandown Super Sprint the following weekend. Some keen Supercars fans may have become aware of a splash of pink dominating their social media on Monday. The reasoning behind this was a campaign headed by Supercars driver Chaz Mostert, who posted a plain pink square on his Instagram on Monday with the hashtag NoSocialHate aimed at cyberbullies targeting Supercars teams and drivers. Mossad has been an ambassador for anti-online bullying charity Dolly's Dream since 2019. Mossad's action sparked several fellow supercar drivers following suit, supporting the movement on their social media as well. Will Brown's crash at last weekend's Mount Panorama has resulted in Erebus Motorsport preparing his spare chassis for the Sandown Super Sprint. Erebus Motorsport CEO Barry Ryan explained the decision. Yeah, so the chassis behind us is the chassis that Will Brown raced at Bathurst, a WD-40 Commodore. Um, yeah, it got crashed obviously on Friday in practice two. Uh, we worked all night, Friday night, to um, basically cut this whole corner off. The only thing sitting here was this um, shock bell where the uh, shock absorber mounts. We had to cut everything around it. You can see some of the tubes have been joined here. Uh, some pe- repairs on the chassis rail that we tried to straighten out here but essentially this whole chassis rail twisted over and went back about 8 mil. so um, yeah we, we repaired it as good as we could at the track but now this chassis needs to go back get put on the jig properly and um, with the time frame we've got it's best that we use our spare chassis and convert everything out of this into the spare chassis and continuing with Barry Ryan he also revealed that Erebus Motorsport plans to switch to Camaros in 2022 once the Gen 3 regulations come into play. Ryan said that Erebus intends to stick with General Motors products because they will move from Commodores to Camaros next season. With the Erebus, with this, Erebus becomes the second supercars team behind Triple Eight to publicly state its intention of running Camaros next season. However, it is expected the majority of other Holden squads will make the same switch. To F1 news and in positive news, the F1 season opener in Bahrain will allow fans. Last year's Bahrain Grand Prix in November was behind closed doors. However, Bahrain announced fans who have been vaccinated or recovered from COVID-19 will be allowed entry into the Grand Prix later this month. Eligibility to attend will be tracked through the nation's Be Aware app, which is a COVID tracing app. Fully vaccinated individuals must allow at least two weeks to pass since their second dose to be eligible to attend, while recovered COVID-19 attendants will need to allow two weeks since the date of infection. Fans must wear masks at all time and will be subject to health screening on entry. Unfortunately, though, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in June, however, is going to be held behind closed doors. 2020 ticket holders for the Grand Prix were allowed to roll over their tickets for the 2021 event at no extra cost and will be allowed to do the same this year in hope of attending the 2022 event. 
Aston Martin last week unveiled their new car for the upcoming F1 season, marking the return of the constructor for the first time since 1960. The team are already looking ahead with team principal Otmar Snafnauer setting a five-year target of winning an F1 championship. Heading over to MotoGP now and testing has begun in Qatar this weekend with Aprilia's Alicia Sprago topping the day one charts with a time of 1 minute 54.6 closely followed by Stefan Brandl uh, and reigning 2020 MotoGP champion Johan Mur. Day two saw Sprago place third in behind Jack Miller and Frenchman Fabio Quadrero who finished top the Yamaha rider's time of 1 minute 53.9 seconds makes him the only rider so far to break the 1 minute 54 second barrier. And lastly in news the MotoGP is set to race on a brand new Hungarian circuit from 2023. The track will be located in Debrecen the country's second largest city with construction of the track expected to begin in the next few months. And joining me as he always does from the racetalk.com Richard Crail. Hello Crailsy. Hello Shebexter how are you? I'm fantastic mate how are you? Yeah good looking forward to a massive couple of weeks of motor racing because in the next five weeks all going well we've got an enormous slate we've got Phillip Island Shannon's Motorsport Australia Nationals this weekend Sandown Supercars the week after Uh, two weeks later first weekend of April we're back at the mountain for the high tech oils Bathurst six hour when TCR will be racing there and then Sunny Tasmania for some Simmons Plains supercars action. And then then it's mid-April already. So, Fantastic. Um, yeah, massive couple of weeks coming up. Uh, we'll have it all covered here on the grid. Yeah, massive show coming up as well, including a chat to this guy who, well, gee whiz, he probably thinks the worst of Bathurst in the last couple of times he's been there. Last year, of course, he had a bit of a, a dizzy spell and had to hand over the driving duties to James Moffat for the finish of the Bathurst 1000. This year, race two of the Bathurst 500, some uh, pretty severe burns to his feet to find out how he's going. We say g'day to the man who's driving the truck assist Mustang prepared by Tickford Racing. And that, of course, is Jack LeBrock. He joins us now. G'day, Jack. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. How are you guys going? Yeah, we're okay. Uh, first of all, you, mate, we're all a bit concerned about you on that uh, Sunday of race day. How's it all coming? Yeah, yeah, she was an interesting one. We um, yeah got through it okay. But yeah, the, the Saturday uh, Saturday night, the, the foot guard, uh, yeah, started to, to blister up and do all sorts of funny things even from the, the Saturday race. And uh, unfortunately, there's a little bit of a knock-on effect into Sunday. And um, yeah, it ended up being quite a, quite a painful one. But uh, yeah, we got through it all right. It was uh, started left foot breaking and doing all sorts of funky business again to try and get through. But um, yeah, definitely don't recommend um, trying to fry the old foot in the uh, pedal box. So try not to do that again. Jack, this is something we normally see or we used to see at the Adelaide 500, but but cabin temps there would be 55, 60 degrees. So you would you would understand why things would get toasty. But Bathurst was very, very pleasant and, and I'm sure it was still warm in the cars. But have you worked out what has caused this specific issue for you? No, nah, they're, they're trying to get to the, the bottom of what's going on now. So all three of us um, got a little bit toasty in the, the, the footwell. But um, yeah, it's more my soul. I think just uh, being a little bit taller and my foot basically being on the firewall at full throttle was was uh, a little bit of the issue. So um, yeah, we're, we're trying to suss that all out. And um, yeah, it's just, I suppose, we're going through a little bit of a new fan system uh, for this year. So whether that didn't work uh, quite as well as what we needed to, but um, yeah which uh, something we'll, we'll hopefully uh, get to the bottom of. But yeah, they're definitely doing a lot in the background to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, well, that, that was going to be my next question. Was was this a problem at Bathurst last October or is this something that's coming? Because I know you've got a couple of new cars in the fleet there at Tickford as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's just uh, something that's coming. So last year we had had a couple of little issues where, where it got hot, uh, got unpleasant, but um, not to the point where where we had blistering and stuff like that. So uh yeah, it's why they're, they're digging into it a little bit more to suss out exactly um, what it is. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a brand new car that I was driving. So, um, yeah, we're um, yeah, they're, they're just trying to work out yeah what, what happened there. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. They're definitely doing a, a few different things with the heat shielding, which uh, should definitely help a lot. So, we'll, um, yeah, hopefully uh, be right come stand down. So, mate, it explains your uh, qualifying 19th, finishing 19th on Sunday. It, uh, what it does, though, is it actually is a great? It shows us a, a fantastic effort by yourself to finish sixth on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting one because I started to get yeah quite quite a lot of um, pains from my foot on the on the Saturday race as well. But 
I suppose at that stage, it was what well, wasn't as bad. It wasn't previously blistered like I struggled with on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a tough one to get through it. And we actually lost the radio with like four to 15, 14, 15 laps to go. So, um, didn't even have anyone on the radio to listen to me complain about it. So, that, <laughs> that was a little bit disappointing. But, um, no, nah, she was all right. It was a, it was a good result. And uh, it's a great way to start the year. Yeah, mate, the car looks competitive, uh, and I think there's a, a good vibe about Tickford after that opening round. Cam was fast, massively unlucky in that first race. Courtney was quick, didn't have a particularly good weekend, but was fast. So, I mean, just give us your assessment on where Tickford's at, and is this a case of you guys picking up where you've left off in at the end of 2020? Because your cars were strong at Bathurst, especially last year, or has have you felt even more improvement since then? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, in particular for Cam, like they've, uh, he's been been really, really strong in the benchmark uh, for us. So uh, for for myself, it's been been really cool to to see how he's driving the car. And yeah, for myself, I think I made some some good improvements uh, compared to Bathurst last year with how I was um, was taking taking that on. Um, so yeah, it, it's been really good. And I think uh, yeah, we're all in for for a really good year. I'm just looking forward to to getting to the next couple of rounds because the yeah the team's definitely uh, doing a doing a great job and preparing some really fast race cars so uh yeah for myself and the other guys i'm sure we just want to get there get out there and do the best job we can jack you've been around the game now for a little bit but still relatively young in the business uh to see a guy like cam doing what he's doing and and to drive like he's driving at the moment and then to have a guy like james courtney with all the experience under his belt that must be a little bit of a fillip for you to have those sort of two blokes as teammates yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, actually, um, yeah, loving the the fact to have uh, yeah, Cam's uh, younger than me, but got more experience in the main game, and uh, JC's got plenty of years under his belt and um, in supercars and everything else. So uh, that's been been really cool to to bounce off them, see how they they tackle it, and um, it's just not even in the car the way they drive it. It's uh, how they they act outside the car and the way they work with the engineers. So um, it's been really good to, to come into my second year with Tickford and keep building on that and get yeah, developing a really good relationship now with, uh, with Scaff, the new engineer for the year. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing uh, whether you takes us. What's it like getting a brand new supercar, mate? It's pretty exciting. I just like uh, being able to name it, but apparently the uh, Tickford don't do names. They just uh, give them a, a fancy little number and um, yeah, they, they call it at that. So don't know. I might have to sneak a name into it at some stage. Would you go for the, uh, the, the women's names like Jamie Winkup does, or are you a little bit more different to that? No, nah, I think you got to, yeah. It'd be rude not to, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, then on that, Mark, do you then go through Jamie's names and make sure you don't double up? You wouldn't want the same. No, nah, that's right. You def- definitely don't want the same one, but I suppose uh, he's had a few uh, successful cars over the years, so uh, if you can get anything out of that, I'm um, happy to take that name on board. <laughs> I think it was Kate, wasn't it? The the VE Commodore. I think it, it spent some time in the Benz Museum. It's one of the most successful supercars of all time. I think yeah, current... yeah, famous old Kate. I think his current one is Rissa. Okay. Or it'll be his final right. car, won't it? Yeah. Rita? Yeah. 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 Interesting. It's an interesting one. Hey, <laughs> JLB, you did a super job last year, and we all know the really challenging uh, circumstances in which we went motor racing in 2020. But for you, have you did you have a chance, given it was such a long off-season, just to sit back and reflect on what you achieved last year? Obviously, Sydney Motorsport Park win, but I think equal to that was your podium at the Bend 1, and then you had another top five at the second turnaround, some really strong... Uh, top 10 results. So did, did you have an opportunity just to sit back and reflect on last season and, and what was the, the main takeout of what you achieved last year? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. I think um, being on the road and stuff, it, it was just an odd experience. It was, it was pretty cool to be able to go racing and especially when we did the four back-to-back races. Um, that was uh, was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, it was a bit, a bit weird. Like we got home and it was, I think it was just almost a bit of a relief to get back and see the family and friends mm. and stuff like that again. But um, yeah, look, we, we had, a, had a lot of good results throughout the year. But I think for myself, uh, I uh, didn't perform as well as what I wanted to at Bathurst. So that was something that um, I worked pretty hard over the, the off seasons to, to work on, on bettering myself. So I um, sort of forgot about all the other bits and pieces because yeah, you only really remember your last result, and uh, for me at Bathurst, that wasn't a wasn't a great one. So, um, yeah, we we uh, worked pretty hard on that. But yeah, no, it was uh, definitely a pretty cool year last year. The uh, Bathurst 500 was a throwback to the old days of three day racing. 
this weekend or next weekend at Sandown, you're back to the the new type of format of the two-day racing of Saturday and Sunday. Which one do you prefer, the, the longer version, having the uh, the practice and stuff on the, on the Friday, or do you like everything being really compacted in those two days? Um, I actually, uh, I think I prefer, I enjoy the longer races more. That's, uh, definitely, that's definitely pretty cool, but I think I, I prefer the, the short, sharp race weekends, uh, just, just being in the car more. You, you sit around a fair bit, um, yeah, twirling your thumbs on those longer weekends at times, but, um, yeah, the short, sharp ones are always pretty cool. It's, uh, go, go, go the whole time. And, um, yeah, it probably does provide some pretty good entertainment as well for the races. Everyone sort of. Yeah, it dips in and has a good crack. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I think it's probably good. We've got a bit of both going on. So, it, uh, yeah, hopefully spice it up a little bit this year. Uh, after a year on the road, like you mentioned, it must be nice to have the folks back at the racetrack. I saw your mum floating around uh, at Mount Panorama. So, cool to have the fam back at a racetrack and actually there watching everything that they've helped support for 10 years of junior career and development series and everything building up to this moment. Yeah, definitely. No, it was unreal having having them back. It's the first time they're able to escape the escape the state um, mm-hmm. since it all sort of cracked down early last year. So uh, yeah, they were loving it. They were um, yeah, really happy to be back, and it's great to have their their support back there as well. So the uncle and auntie and uh, a few other friends and and family came along. So um, no, nah, it was really good just to have the them back at the track, but also the the rest of the fans as well. Sort of last year we had them there at times, but couldn't have them in pit lane and. And hanging out there up and close and personal. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's cool cool to be back. And, um, yeah, see everyone hanging back out at the racetrack again. Well, and then on that note, mate, you, you spent last year in the super cheap auto car, which was very, very cool. But back in truck assist colours this year. And, and just talk to that because they've been such a loyal, long-term supporter of you, not just in your Tickford days, but prior to that at Techno and then through the development series as well. So, I mean, it must be cool to be representing that brand in the main game, because you've been, they've been with you and supporting you along this journey for for a good chunk of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely stoked to to be back with the truck assist guys. And like we always had that that personal connection there as well last year. To but to be able to yeah carry their colours full time is uh, is pretty special. So I've um, got some really good relationships with uh, a lot of the team um, all around the country. So uh, yeah, looking forward to to hopefully uh, bringing some good results for them all and um, yeah catching up with them throughout the year. So it's yeah, it should be good. And the, the car looks uh, fantastic with the orange wheels as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking those at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully going to be a pretty cool year for us all. There are a few people who didn't like the orange wheels, but I can't buy that. I reckon they're sensational. Yeah, I, I actually really rate it. And uh, I think that one of the only people that probably didn't like them is... Uh, the the tire guy's got to clean them at the end of the race. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, they get get pretty dirty. Definitely show up the black brake dust, but um, no, nah, that's all right. They uh, they look the part and definitely they stand do. out in track. I've actually worn the orange t-shirt just to uh, in solidarity. Yeah, yeah. Worn in black. So there you go. That works. <laughs> hey mate, all the best with the feet. Uh, you should be one hundred percent and a okay to go for next weekend, where we uh, hope that things uh, continue to get uh, on the rise for you uh, in what hopes to be. A very promising 2021 for yourself and your teammates at Tickford. Yeah, thank you, mate. Thanks for having us, guys. I'll uh, see you around soon. Will do. Jack LeBrock joining us here on The Grid. It is the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships uh, there and the second round for a bunch of the key ARG categories, Super Chip Auto, TCR Australia, VHCS 5000, Trans Am, Australian GT back on track, which is cool. Uh, and partner in crime on the seven sport broadcasts of... All the ARG and Shannon's categories this year is one Matt Nolte joining us on the grid for the first time. Hello, Knuckles. Hello, Gurus. It's been a long time. I mean, last time we did this was the Colts Bar, wasn't it? Indianapolis. Oh, it was too. It was. It was. Uh, what a great day that was for people who don't know. We, uh, the three of us, headed over for the uh, 100th running of the Indy 500, and at that time, I was doing on the grid live on Melbourne radio mm. down here on uh, SEN and had to do a show from Indianapolis because we had to do a show, <laughs> yeah. which was actually preceded by a Auskick show, which is a, a show talking to four and five and six-year-old kids about their favourite footy team. So oh. we tried to work out a great place to do it and where we might get that done. And we had the Indianapolis Colts Bar and Grill. And I thought, oh, I'll ask you if we can use their which, internet service. Which was our base. Like that was sort it of, was. everyone was staying nearby. That's where all the, the guests were staying. And so we'd all just congregate at Colts 
on the the evenings of that to drink a lot of American beer uh, and drink, I eat a lot of wings. And um, you bored me three hours beforehand. We were going to do that. <laughs> yeah, correct. So we we just rolled back in from a trip out to Brownsburg, wasn't it? We went and yeah, saw the correct. Richie Crampton's drag racing setup, which was impressive. Nolts and I spent. Uh, an hour in the car with Greg Murphy giving Gerald McDonald all kind of grief in their yep. road trip. We'll never um, be the same again. <laughs> oh my God, God, it was incredible. Uh, and, and then um, we rolled in and, and did on the grid 15 beers down. Um, hello to everyone at SEN if you're listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, the best rating show ever, wasn't it? Yeah, on a, on a late on a Saturday evening, eating wings and drinking beer at Colts Bar and Grill. It was the best radio show ever. Can I suggest to anyone that if you're looking at picking up an American woman, it's not a bad way to do it. They were quite well, intrigued by what it was, was the No, it was the Oz Kick show Shebex that yes. got them on because they everyone would come up and inquire, oh, hey, what are you guys doing? And you'd, you'd, yeah, you'd play them the audio and there's this little, little four-year-old. Kids are cute. Little four-year-old <laughs> Timmy was there. Uh, anyway, good times. I'm glad you remember that, Nolts. We could reminisce yeah, on that forget. trip until we're, um, until we're grey. Yeah. I, uh, we had good fun down in Tassie for the opening round. The Boost Mobile Race Tasmania was a great event, rolling things out with uh, with Seven Sport. Cool to be on uh, on the big network, isn't it? And um, pretty solid weekend down there, I thought. I, I thought that was one of the best weekends I think I've done in my career with you guys down there. And um, the anticipation waiting for that event was so long. Mm. I, I was very sad when Phillip Island got postponed because we had such good momentum going there. But I'm sure when we get to Phillip Island this weekend, it's just going to pick up where we left off. And the addition of some more cars on S5000 and TCR, and of course the GTs are featuring as well. It's going to be a mega weekend. It's a bit of a shame that the uh, it wasn't last weekend. Of course, Phillip Island Historics were last weekend. Beautiful weather. Yeah. This weekend, though, seems like we could have a little bit of uh, wind and a little bit of rain, and it wouldn't be a Phillip Island race weekend without it, would it? <laughs> That's the morning forecast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll, be, it'll change by lunchtime. Yeah. What do we, um, you said it was one of your best weekends. It's not a massively high benchmark though for you though. So, you know. Oh, I promised I'd be professional here, but if you want me to you? tone it down to there... our phone call styles, we can. <laughs> there was no promise of professionalism, not on the grid. Uh, let, let's start. You're calling TCR with our great mate, Greg Rust, who's been on the show this year already. Um, what did you take out of round one? She's fairly competitive old racing there, but it seems like you're going to have to get some BOP to go your way as well at certain rounds. Yeah, the BOP, we, we try to avoid the subject as much as we can during the weekends, but it was clear that one mark had it more than everybody else. And of course, that gets adjusted by the global team at TCR. Mm-hmm. It's not something we can do on the weekend when an Alfa Romeo or an Audi or Hyundai is quicker. So I'm not sure how it's going to go when we get to Phillip Island, but Super impressed with Lee Holdsworth straight out, having never driven a front-wheel drive car. He was exceptional. What we should be, because he's so experienced now. But Jay Hansen, for me, guys, a teenager, 17 years of age, that kid is going to be a champion in whatever car he sits in. Yeah, he was he was super. I, I was so pleased for Jordan Cox as well. Yes. Because he spent so long... I was going to say in the system, but he hasn't really even been in the system. He's been racing no. state-level improved production stuff, but going viral on YouTube because in a little front wheel drive Honda, he's gobbling people up around the outside at Brock skyline at Bathurst. So with a million views on YouTube. So I was so pleased to see him come out in front of the championship because he's worked for a long, long time to get himself in a car that can compete at an outright level in a national championship. And he's finally got that in that GRM alpha. I'm really excited to see what he can do. If he gets in an arm wrestle with (laughs) Holsey or Mostert or, you know, Aaron Cameron or any one of these front runners in, in TCR this year, it, it could be really, really good fun. He was an absolute no-brainer for the category when he came along in the first year, and I'm glad he's got a full-time ride in there. But you brought up some names there, guys like Mostert, guys like Caruso, Aaron Cameron, Ben Barguana, that battle we saw at, at Tasmania. You've already got that mid-pack scramble building after one round. I love the fact that uh, some of these drivers are, are trying a, a, some nice colours on their car. And one car that's going to stand out at absolute perler is the uh, Audi RS3 of uh, Liam McAdam. And that in those Indigenous colours that he's put on the uh, Audi, it looks spectacular. Yeah, phenomenal-looking car. And Liam himself, a very, very talented racer. We saw him in both Kumo Series and in Super 2 with Eggleston a couple of years ago. So we're getting some names come back this weekend, which will mix it up even more we had a very solid field and Krause you'll agree with this too to go to Tasmania and have the level of entries the quality of the field we had Mm. 
it's only going to bode well when we start going to more mainland tracks like your Phillip Islands. I mean, Bathurst is going to be off the wall, not just the six-hour weekend, but the international later in the year. So if the positive to come out of the last 12 months is everybody's just busting to get back onto the racetrack, big fields of numbers wherever we look, and that's just fantastic. Uh, are you enjoying working with the great Gregory Rust? I pinch myself still. We've done it a few times. <laughs> um, you know what it's like. I mean, it's hard not to get up in the seat when you've got these guys around you and the entire team. It's, it's a different mix of people, isn't there? We've got cricketers. We've got TV hosts involved. And they all just love the sport. Hodgie actually sat there. Brad Hodge sat next to us in the commentary box, Shebex, and yeah. did not leave the whole time. And he was genuinely interested wow. in what was going on. And I'm saying that hand to heart because he literally was standing there taking notes, listening to what was going on. So he's a great addition. Jess Dane has been instantly accepted amongst the ranks down there too. So with change in motorsport, people don't like that, do they? But I think they're going to win them over as the year goes on. Yeah, you're probably right. And when uh, Rusty hops out of the box and Crowley jumps in for the <laughs> S5000s, and I'm so looking forward to seeing these cars at Phillip Island. Have you seen them live yet? I saw I saw them for a little bit at Sandown last year when they did like three or four laps on the Sunday before yeah. that race was called off. Mm. So I just, yeah, I, I can, I'm going to shiver down my spine right now thinking about it again because, Krause, remember that first race at Sandown? We, ha- we left the commentary box door open deliberately yeah, just to feel the noise. And we only got that short session in at the Grand Prix last year before we all got forced into lockdown. They were great at Tasmania on a ball ring, but really this weekend is going to be the track where they show their true potential. If you watch some of those testing videos that Jimmy Golding has done, I can't wait to see them pile in the turn number one for the first time. They're going to be properly fast. Yeah. And, and they're not far off outright lap record levels now. And, and with more time and development, they will be. But the level of competition as well, it, it's not a massive field. That will come in time. It, it's very different to TCR S5000, it's a lot more specialised. Um, it, it's going to take time to build up to a regular grids of 14 to 16 cars, which is where it where it will be. But the competition at the front is great. And, mm-hmm. and I'm really looking forward to this weekend. I think Bieber, James Golding, probably wasn't quite as fast as he would have liked to have been down in Tassie, but I think he'll be really good at the island. But it, it's the Tim Macro, Tom Randall, yes. and then throw in Joey Mawson mix. Um, that I'm really looking forward to. Randall V. Macro in particular, young bloke coming up through the ranks versus one of the best wings and slicks drivers, in my opinion, Australia's produced in the last 20 years, but never quite got that kick on to an international career, purely down to not having millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> it, it, it tempted us and teased us at, at, Phillip, at uh, Simmons Plains, didn't it? And, and I think Phillip Island could offer more at a circuit where those cars are really going to open up. I read a story, I'm not saying it's anything factual about it, but hearing the word SVG thrown around and potentially he might want to drive one of these down the track is exciting to hear. And that's what's so good about S5000 is that, you know, it's going to bring, once we can fly around the world again, God, I've missed being on a plane going to America, by the way, it's really doing my head in. <laughs> yeah. But when we can start travelling again, we'll start attracting the likes. Matty Brabs would definitely love to have a start again mm. down the track. We had Rubens Barrichello the first weekend. So the opportunities for international drivers to come and join the grid this, this category has got a massive future. And I think finally we're going to have a genuine open wheeler category that's going to go for a long, long time. There's been a few cha- few opportunities tried, but I think this is the real deal. Shebex, yeah, it's, right. funny, it's funny in commentary because Matt, poor Matt's there in the corner just sticking his hand up. So please let me speak. Let me speak. Because <laughs> as you know, with open wheelers, I tend to get a bit up on the up on the wheel. The difference, Shebex, you can just tell his, <laughs> his, his level rises and I just sit next to him and just, it's awesome to watch him because it's a genuinely passionate guy about open wheel. I mean, we both love, both love open wheelers. We you know, come from the Adelaide Grand Prix era, for God's sake. But it's a difference in his commentary there and I don't care if I sit back. Actually, I'll turn my mic off this weekend. Yeah. You probably will, though. <laughs> no, he, he can do it. I'm, well, not the paid, only... I'm not paid enough to do all of this, so let him do it on his own. <laughs> the only category, you know, is even close enough for Krause to get up and uh, excited about his Porsches. Mm. Yes. Of course, the uh, Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge surfaces this weekend and uh, some of the best young Aussie racers in one mate category will show their face again for 2021. Yeah, that, that's going to be a super field. Shebeck's more than 20 cars entered and, and it's a back-to-back Porsche Fest because Carrera Cup kicks off at Sandown the week after. And I can't reveal the field yet, but you wait till you see who's in the Carrera Cup grid this year. It's just utterly extraordinary. There's like 15 pro cars wow. at, at the front of the field. I, I think Noltz is on the bench for Porsches this weekend. I, I, I think am. I'm calling it with Gregory, yeah. um, which will be uh, which will be great. But um 
yeah, it, it's going to be good. Really cool weekend of racing. I think there's 25 Trans Am, 24 Trans Am yeah. cars too. On Kelly's back. Oh, and yeah. Kelly, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, was, I was wrapped to read that. Um, can I just say, we, we probably didn't really give the shout out to Marcus Ambrose Motorsport as much as we should have at Tasmania. To, to see the two-time champion in the paddock yeah. with a, a race team back on there, it just excites me so much. We saw... Uh, we saw some of the boys on Sunday, well, the pseudo Sunday night, the Tuesday night in Launceston, having a feed there after it all finished at the McAllisters. And everybody was just so excited about, hey, we had 19 cars in Tasmania. There's, what, up to 30 cars in the country at the moment that are mm. registered or in workshops ready to go. So wait till we start going to the heartland like Queensland, where a lot of the cars are based there. So Morgan Park, all those tracks down the, later in the year, it's going to be awesome. And that category is just wild. When I saw them at Adelaide last year, before everything got shut down, of course, a couple of weeks later at the Grand Prix, I walked away from Adelaide thinking that if that was to be the next category of supercars, mm-hmm. those Trans Am cars, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, and I saw them in Detroit, I think 2016. I came back raving about them. It's when Sheldon Creed did double duties that weekend and there was 38 of them running there on the streets of Belle Isle. And I went, man, this is everything it was all about years ago. Noise, flames the unpredictability and the cars were getting sideways in the corners. That's what motor racing to me is all about. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And they're very, very cool. Hey, um, I want to touch on Sheldon Creed just quickly as a quick diversion before we talk <laughs> about GT, which is back this weekend. And we should have mentioned listening to on the grid via radio show, limited networks channels internationally with a lot of GT racing fans. So we'll, we'll delve into uh, the opening round of, uh, and, and let me just read this off the screen. Cause it's a mouthful. The Fanatec GT world challenge, Powered by AWS, it's round one. Philip, I've been rehearsing, rehearsing the car all the way down here today. Excellent, um, <laughs> but uh, Sheldon Creed. So you, Sheldon, raced in Stadium Super Trucks here in mm. Oz and in the US of A. How cool is it to see him performing at the at the pretty high level in NASCAR? When he came to Australia, he was already a champion, mm. and remember, being in your late teens, you're already considered a veteran in American racing. He was already touted as a future star wherever he went. I mean, the path was always going to be NASCAR, but to go into the truck series like he did and win in the first year, take him to a dirt track where he's a specialist at, it's only a matter of time before we see him in the NASCAR Cup Series and he'll ruffle the feathers. But that's what SST was about. Robbie Gordon would get all his old mates back from the NASCAR days, young and old. And look what we were seeing. When those guys have come out and raced in Australia, that's what's so cool about that. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Uh, boys, G- GT Racing returns this weekend. Uh, it, basically the first GT race in Australia since last year's Bathurst 12 hour. So it's been a very, very long time. GT World and Challenge under a GT new GT returns to GT Racing. Yeah, yeah, well, that too. And it's a good field. 20 cars is a pretty decent effort for a category that's been through the, uh, the ringer over the last, well, domestically outside of the 12 hour. The last five years have been really tough for Australian yeah. GT competition but we'll run through some of the contenders notes you're on the mic for this um there's a couple of really good cars the the big story leading in is that we don't get to see svg play because he injured himself riding his bike so he's had some surgery on his collarbone to get ready in time for supercars at Sandown. you, you must when you triple eight you go ah oh, we've lost we've lost shane oh well jamie Winkup will do <laughs> replace cream with cream yeah you know? exactly. It's, it's like if he available, can someone ring Lounsey? Well, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a bad life when your backup driver's Jamie Winkup, is it? It'd be dangerous if they were both together in that car <laughs> yeah, this weekend as well. I mean, like, just give them the trophy and you know, yeah. everyone else can go home now. No, I think it's. I think this is their biggest chance ever for some stability. The SRO organisation, which mm. you're well familiar with, um, joining hands now with a group. Uh, decision here of cars you'll get a lot of cars out of workshops guys like scotty taylor I, I bumped into a bathurst last year at the 1000 on the way into the track and they're all still passionate about racing the cars but it just didn't seem like there was much harmony amongst the group i think they're going to get that now and they're going to get the mixture of these one-hour races a three-hour race coming up later in this year well that's what they're designed to do i really enjoyed the format they used at the grand prix with the sprint races they really they couldn't do much more than what they were but it actually made the racing exciting but bunched up into a smaller group if that makes sense mm. yeah i agree with you there's some interesting names on this so Stephen and brenton grove they're, they're well credentialed that's a brand new porsche gt3r so that's going to be a very very fast car great to see quinny there in the aston he ran that last year in the tin tops up in townsville 
had some good battles with cup cars. Tony yeah. Bates and Chazzy Mostert and Audi R8 LMS. That's a very, very good combo. Um, Andrew McPherson and Benny Porter will fly under the radar a little bit in the Lambo Hurricane. Ben Porter's done a lot of laps in that car and is yeah. very, very fast, underrated AM driver. Uh, Pete Edwards and Adrian Dietz in the Ferrari, which is great. Adri- Arthur Abrahams is running an Audi R8. Now it's going, oh, I know that name. Now, Arthur won the Australian Formula 2 Championship in the 80s a couple of yes, times. she is. But also ran the NRC International Formula Holden team for a long that time. They ran that car that looked like the William the Rothman livery that Correct. they had. Was it Darren Pate that drove? Yeah, Darren Pate drove yeah. for them. Christian Murchison drove for them a couple of times yeah. as well. Really competitive race team. So that's a that's a bit of a name from the past. I was surprised to see on the entry list. Very, very cool. He's in an Audi. Yasser Sheehan and Garth Tander. That's a good combo. Absolutely. Yasser is almost as fast as the pros and Garth Tander, I mean, doesn't get any more pro. <laughs> um, one of those annoying blokes that can race cars and commentate and will do Nolts and I out of a gig at some yeah. point because... It's been, it's been a good ride. Yeah, because he's just good at everything. <laughs> and um, and also, down in the trophy class running an Audi R8, Vince Tessarario, who was the original guy who started the 12-hour. Is that right? Yeah, back in um, back in two, uh, 1991. Wow. So there you go, running an Audi R8. So, again, backs up our point that now there's confidence amongst the mm-hmm. ranks. We're seeing names we haven't seen for a long time. Yes, there'll be professional drivers in it. We need to have them. But it's also breaking, bringing out the guys that were your once or twice a year is out there and club-level races as well. So it's a good mix. And that, to me, what you've just said with those names there, that's a big tick straight away for this year. Yeah, at least you guys will lose your job to a Bathurst winner. I lost my gig at the MCG for international cricket to a woman because they needed a lady's voice. So, <laughs> Stanley, anyway, with your voice, you can't story. really high-pitch that anymore, you know. Like, <laughs> you need a, a, you need like a Dean Neal voice or something like that to, you know, get it up in the seat a bit there, mate, you know. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, Matt, thank you for joining us. It's going to be a, an amazing weekend coming up at Phillip Island. There's no doubt about that. We should also should mention, too, that if uh, – Anyone in the Porsche 944 garage oh, is yes. missing any parts? <laughs> uh, we know where you might be able to find them. <laughs> yeah. You, need... You're not going anywhere near that panic this weekend. <laughs> no, I've, I've been black banned because right now I need a torque tube. I need a rear <laughs> bell housing. I need a transaxle, left front pop-up headlights. Um, Security. Security. Yeah. <laughs> you can always take you down to a Porsche part if you like. You don't need to go rummaging. No, no, panic. they're closed. They're closed. Oh. It's a tragedy. Yes. So that was yeah. the original motorsport category that I first ever commentated. And I'm, it's exciting they're going to be at Phillip Island supporting this weekend. I feel like dusting off the old Yokohama jacket that I've yeah. got. <laughs> it's, logo. it's genuinely great racing, the yeah. 944s. It is a very, very cool category. Uh, screens of seven this weekend. Matt Nolte, massive broadcast both days. We're on seven plus for streaming as well. Uh, internationally, you can watch it via motorsport.tv. Uh, if you're in the land of the long white cloud, we'll be live on Sky Sports New Zealand as well. Looking uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be amazing. Touchdown Thursday night, Krause. Looking forward to seeing you down the island. See you at the Melbourne island. Will be, Melbourne and will never be the same again. And Shabak, Noldy, thanks back. for your time. It's been 12 months since I see you, brother. Let's catch up soon, mate. It's been far too long. Very much looking forward. I think I'm coming down there on Sunday, so I'll uh, make Fantastic. sure I say good day. Can't wait. See you, legends. All right. Love finishing the show this way, Richard, when we're joined by our good mate, Mark Walker, also from the racetalk.com. Hello, Mark. Tony Shebecki, Richard Crail. Uh, good podcasting to you. Hey, we get to go back to Phillip Island this weekend. Well, you get to go back for a back-to-back weekend. Uh, first of all, congratulations, mate. Lovely little story on the race talk. Uh, a, a day or two ago about uh, the historics down there and some great shots. Did you have a fun weekend? Oh, look, it was weird. It was weird. These COVID times we live in, having gone to a few sort of lower level events in Queensland last year, it was, those events were like nothing had ever changed in the COVID world. You scanned as you scanned a QR code as you went through the gate and then you just kicked on like you normally would and sort of went wherever you want and did whatever you wanted to do. This uh, Phillip Island deal on the weekend, they limited to a thousand punters uh, for obvious reasons that they've got uh, for whatever they've got going across the board with the government. Um, and they weren't allowed in until 9am and then they were only allowed on the pit straight. They could go on the pits all right. Uh, you're only allowed on the pit straight down to sort of turn two 
and throughout the pit. So you're very much limited in where you could go, which was a bit painful because you've got Phillip Island, such a picturesque track and there's so yeah. many good viewing spots and they sort of corralled everyone into this one spot. It was all about social distancing, but then they sort of jammed everyone into the one area and a thousand people. I don't know how they accounted for that, whether it was genuinely a thousand tickets in total, there were 350 odd entries. So, I mean, obviously all those uh, teams and drivers had tickets that they were able to hand around, but uh the place for the area that they had, it looked reasonably full. Like there was a lot of people there. This weekend for the Shannon's Motor Racing Australia Championships down there, they're allowing three and a half thousand people per day on site, which I don't know how they're going to allow that to sort of happen with the, the area there. And I mean, they had all the COVID marshals and all that sort of thing. And the COVID marshal was standing the closest to anyone I saw all day, not wearing a face mask. So I'm not quite sure how that works, but uh They've obviously done the TAFE course in COVID management and understand the ins and outs of it all. But uh, yeah, that, that, that side of it was weird. Obviously, the historic side of it was pretty grass. Uh, except for one thing is that in these COVID times, not a lot of the interstate guys and girls were able to make the trip down. So it was probably missing 250 cars in total that you'd normally see come from all over the spot. And they'd normally jam all the qualifying and practice on a Friday and just have racing on the weekend. But uh, there seemed to be a few less categories than normal. So they're able to put a bit of qualifying on the Saturday. Uh, still some cool cars, obviously some were missing, but uh, some cool cars is better than no cool cars and jammed a bit of a gallery up there in the race talk and uh, certainly uh, got people clicking, which is what we want to see. It did. Yeah. Some amazing cars at that event. Um, and, and when it's back to full, full after COVID health, I'm, I'm going to go because there's some amazing stuff, but even the bits and pieces that were there, um, Duncan McKellar in the, the 962, George Nackus in his car. I've had the fortune of seeing them both run over here in, in Adelaide at the, the Adelaide Motorsport Festival and at the bend. And they're, they're incredible. Um, old Giorgio, um, Belgarino Nettis in his Ferrari F156 85, the big turbocharged 1.5. Rich, he he had two of them there. He had the the, uh, spare car ready to roll. Yes. And uh, I managed to crawl all over them and get all the spy photos. So that's an upcoming feature. So uh, looking forward to that one. He's got a um, a 95 F412 as well, the V12 car sitting in the the shop. Doesn't run it very often because it turns out – very hard to get parts for a 1995 Ferrari V12 Formula One engine. I know that find that unbelievable, but um, yeah, just extraordinary. And love, love, love seeing those cars out. And um, there's a few more Formula One cars coming into Australia this year. Old Formula One cars that we'll um, we'll talk about down the road on uh, on the race talk and on the grid. I think that's going to be cool. Uh, good field of uh, historic touring cars. It was cool to see Slady back up on the wheel, Mark in. Um, in the V8s and having a bit of a scrap with uh, Harry Jones in a couple of extra mm. Holden racing team cars. And that was a bit strange in itself. Obviously the five liter touring car movements picking up a bit of momentum and they had a series of super sprints over the weekend. So it was non-competitive, but it was against the clock sort of thing. Uh, Slady was out there on fire as you'd expect. I mean, he was a front row qualifier at Bathurst and probably a good thing for him to just, shake off the cobwebs after yeah. you know you're not going to have any jitters he's he's gotten all that out of the way he's bashed out some quick laps at Phillip Island so he should be on the money again when we get back to Sandown but yeah it's a bit of an oddity to see these newer spec cars there it was, it was interesting to see how the historic racing purists received that whole thing but uh, you know people on the race talk loved it so <laughs> that's all we're interested about well, but I mean, uh, they're, they're heritage cars now you look at a, a year you know a, a 2005 supercar i mean it's 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 18 or 17 years old so yeah. you know it, it's not officially historic um but gee they're pretty close and and the sports moved on a long way since then i love looking at the super sprint results and, and seeing some of the photos the top three tim slade so harry jones who's a Young gun in Carrera Cup and we title contender this year, Tim Blanchard, for yep. Australian Formula Four champion and former supercar full timer, still current co-driver. So, I love seeing these names pop up at, at these events, which is very very cool. The the Jones family uh, up there in Queensland have got a pretty cool collection of racing cars. Mark, I know you've had a poke around quite a few of them up there, and it's um it's pretty impressive. Oh, there's a lot of really cool stories there. Like even they've started investing in Formula Holdens. They got a fleet yeah. of them 
ready to roll. But we did a, a story for the race talk on their Schnitzer winning, uh, BTC winning uh, Schnitzer BMW that Joe Winklehock took the title over there. And that's just an awesome piece of kit because a lot of our great Bathurst winning and championship winning cars have been heading overseas because that's where the dollars dictate that they go. But finally, Australia's got one back and we've got a BTCC winner up there in the Jones stable. And uh, talking to Peter Jones on the weekend, they have been absolutely flat chat in recent months doing all sorts of things that they've got on the go up there. So uh, they've got a cool shed. There's so many cool sheds like that around yeah. Australia that, that these guys do take them out there and they do air these cars and give them a big run. And that was Harry's second ever go in a supercar on the weekend. And he did quite a nice job, a bit of a different beast uh, to what he's used to in Porsche land, but uh, he did a nice job. Well, you've got to take them for a run, don't you? you? You can't own these cars and just put them away and never use them. They've got to go out. Well, you can, surely. You can, but it, we're thankful forever to people that actually do drive them. Yeah. Like like the Joneses. But there are people that buy them and just, just saw them. So, yeah, I, I, it's awesome to see these cars actually getting used and actually getting run, which is um, That's fantastic. Which is tremendous. Uh, uh, let's. Sorry, no, 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 you go. Well, I was just going to say, you mentioned earlier when we were talking to uh, Noltz about the fact that Shane Van Gisbergen won't be available this weekend at Phillip Island due to the fact that he's broken his collarbone, falling off a bike. Mate, I've experienced three broken collarbones, and I'm giving you the mail. I don't think he'll race at Sandown next weekend. I honestly do not believe how he could strap himself into a supercar and put himself through driving a lap of Sandown with the, the G-forces and all that sort of stuff, even even with the column bones plated, he's going to struggle really bad. And if he does drive, I'm tipping it's not going to be one of his best weekends. Well, the, these guys tend to overcome these things. But my question is, how many rad mountain bike shunts did you have, Shebex? <laughs> no, no, mine were all... Uh, one was when I was five years old, I fell off the monkey bars. Another one was 11 years old when I... Actually, four times. I said three, four. 11-year-old, I was chasing my brother on the front lawn and slipped and broke it. <laughs> 16 years old, I was going into the back of a pack to take a mark in footy, and a guy put his knee up, popped it out. And then when I was, uh, what, eight years ago, I was teaching the kids out in the backyard how to go over a jump on a BMX bike. <laughs> there it's we go. available on YouTube if you haven't seen it. <laughs> and I just didn't have enough speed and fell straight down on my shoulder. And okay, broke so... the collarbone again. You are coming from a, a place of incredible experience here that Van Giz is going to oh, go. Yeah, but, is it, but, but like what, four, eight and 16? I'm not sure they count, do they? No, no, but I, I, the one, the, actually the most painful one was the adult one. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I, I will go on record saying I think he will race um, because I, I just, I think they will struggle to stop him basically. Mm. Um, and the fact that he apparently had surgery that afternoon, so broke it in the morning, had surgery yeah. that afternoon, um, pulled him out of Phillip Island for running uh, in the GT car, which is a smart precaution. And Phillip Island, especially in a GT3 car, is all lateral loads. It's all long loaded aero corners, yep. which put stress on your, your upper body when you're trying to turn the wheel in a, a GT3 car laden with downforce. Um, and of course in the belts as well. So um, I'm not saying Sandown's any better because it's bumpy as all hell and um, it's a very much a stop go circuit. So it'll be the, it'll be the heavy stop down at Dandenong road and turn one that'll hurt him when he's straining against the brakes. But I, I think he'll run. I really do. And, and everything that the team has put out says they're pretty confident he will. And okay. there's no reason for them to say otherwise. That, that's just my opinion. He might not. But again, we talked about this earlier about, the fact that super sub is Jamie wing cup. So what happens if Shane Van Gisbergen doesn't run next weekend at Sandown? Oh, Garth, Garth, would, would you mind current Bathurst champion? Just, just step in for a weekend. Would you? Don't, well, don't they, mind. They've got two backstops sitting there in the commentary booth. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Garth and Craig. <laughs> but it's probably, probably a handy thing for the championship to uh, bring the leader back to the pack a bit. I mean, uh, mm. if all indications are, if he just kept, doing what he was doing at Bathurst and runs away with the championship, this might just bring him back to the pack a bit and make things a bit spicy. All, all, all I can say is they can say as much as they like, he'll be fine. They won't know until Friday or they won't know until Saturday no, at practice when he actually jumps in for that first practice session as to whether how he's going to be. And and, and it, the other the other thought, I suppose, will be the fact that Simmons Plains is only three weeks afterwards. So yeah. 
do you skip Sandown and make sure he's a hundred percent for Tassie? Um, or do you run Sandown and run the risk of aggravating it and pushing back that recovery? So he runs Simmons Plains slightly injured, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor. And his deal with Triple Eight is that he's always had a clause there that he can compete in other types of car racing up to a point in the season, go and do his drifting, his rallying, whatever the hell he wants to do mm. uh, to save him from getting injured at the crucial time of the year. Here he's off riding his push bike around and, and hammers himself. Mm. Yeah. Odd deal. They sort of try to protect himself from himself doing all these other types of car racing and it's something entirely different <laughs> that's undone him. But imagine the revolution in the paddock if all of a sudden every team owner went out and said, no, no, you can't ride your bike anymore. Because oh. 98% of the field use it as their main source of fitness training. So yeah. there'd, be a, there'd be a riot, wouldn't they? Um, yeah, the well, amazing thing was if he was riding a motorbike at Phillip Island this weekend, he probably would have been okay. Well, Because those guys broke with broken legs, broken arm, everything. Yeah, probably. But I don't, I'm not sure RD will let him drive, race a bike. Didn't <laughs> let him run Speedway in New Zealand over the summer. But um, so he just went and won the New Zealand Grand Prix instead. Um, now, let's just move on because uh, if you don't know the name Marcus Lemonis uh, before last weekend, you probably will have now because, um, Mark, this is a story you followed quite closely. Quite One of the more remarkable sponsorship stories in motorsport for the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years, maybe. Um, in that the major sponsor of the Camping World Truck Series, Camping World, was also the major sponsor for a third of the Camping World Truck Series field in the Camping World Truck Series race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway last Friday night, American time. Yeah, madness. Absolute madness. One of these late night tweet sessions that uh, seemingly got out of hand. He put out the tweet. He's, He's known as a great benefactor in the sport over there. And he sponsors a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have sponsorship. And he just put out a tweet going, does anyone not have sponsorship this weekend at Las Vegas? Hit me up. And it turns out, (laughs) <laughs> 10 different drivers hit him up and he had 10 camping world trucks out there that all looked reasonably the same, mm. which oh, I couldn't imagine the spotters having absolute kittens about that. Uh, that would not be fun. See, at least our mates at national transport insurance um, have three different brands. Now they sponsor six cars in the supercar well, field, but well, they had eight last weekend, they, the other weekend at Bathurst. Yeah. But at least they've got different brands, which they can rotate across their cars. So not everyone's running a Jack LeBrock truck assist livery. So Wait imagine we get 10 boost cars in the supercars. Field. Well, that there is a, a potential of that happening, isn't there? But, um, but yeah, but what the, an amazing deal. So 15, yeah, the, yep. 15K sponsorship, um, which turned into 25 grand. If you finish in the top 10, 35 if you finished in the top five and he got 50 instead of the 15 if you won the race. So pretty good, um, which equates to 65,000-ish AUD. So, um, bad. But, but the total investment, as Mark documented on the story on TRT, is under 200 grand Australian. To have a third of the field, plus you're the naming rights sponsor of the series anyway. It's not bad. So from a marketing spend, it's probably not that bad. And, I mean, stats-wise, the truck series over there has more viewers. Obviously, bigger country, 300 million people. But they're normal Friday night shows. They're getting over a million mm. people tuning in. So there's eyeballs there watching it. So clearly there's some value in sponsoring it. And those teams, some of them were just family money. Like Sheldon Creed's got a lot of family money. It's not as if he can't afford to do that. He won the championship last year. He's obviously been a mainstay in the super trucks uh, for such a long time, but he took them up on the camping wheel deal because it was would have been just the family money on the side of the car. So they swapped that up, put a wrap on it, and he went out there and did his thing. The uh, the top prize did not go off though. No, John Hunter Nemechek from uh, Kyle Busch Motorsport took the win, so uh, Lamonis kept a bit of his coin that way. I'm disappointed that you, you back a third of the field, you don't win the race. I reckon you'd be annoyed. <laughs> oh, he rode off a few cars. That was <laughs> oh, all right. That's fair. But I, I reckon he would have got 190 grand in ma- in media oh. and social media buy-in before, the, before a million viewers on Fox Sports watched the truck race on Friday night. Well, we, we ran a story on him. Well, exactly right. There's I mean, 90 grand straight away. I mean, he's probably not going to sell many caravans in Australia, but that's that's another oh, but, thing. But if he decides to expand Camping World <laughs> into Australia, we do have a very lucrative and expansive um, outdoor 
boating, fishing, camping market here. So uh, who knows? A sign of how generous this bloke is, um, there's a magazine publication over in the States that's defunct now, Grand National Scene, and then became NASCAR Scene. And the Scene Vault, they've got a podcast where they they talk about all the old issues and talk to all the old characters in the sport. And their plan is to digitise all of their back catalogue of magazines. And it's a very expensive thing to do it professionally and and host it all properly and give people access to it. And Marcus Labonis put his hand up and said he would pay for the digitising of all those magazines. So, you know, a great lover of the sport and a a backer of people who need the backing. And on magazines, uh, good effort this week, auto action. They uh, chalked up 50 years in circulation, which is pretty incredible. I mean, I spent 10 years as their Queensland correspondent for what that's worth. And I was a snot-nosed kid and I probably finished a snot-nosed middle-aged person by the time I finished there. But uh, <laughs> that was a great experience. And it's great for the sport that auto action still keeping on. Mm. We need publications. We need outlets yeah. covering the sport. Um, it's a bit of a worry for mine. I mean, there was always a level of competition in that printed scene. Obviously, time's moved on, as we're, we're seeing with the fight that newspapers are having with Google and Facebook at the moment. Uh, clearly, what they're doing, they're still selling copies to keep it going. But there was always competition there. In the early days, it was Raising Car News and Auto Action. Then it was um, oh, yeah, Sport News. news. Mm-hmm. And it was always a, there was respect there, but it was always a battle. And you used to go to the news agencies on a Wednesday morning or a Thursday morning to pick up both to see who had what news. Well, and, and Mark, the list of journos and, and yourself and I will rule ourselves out of this because we'd, we'd plonk along, but the list of high quality people that have come through those publications, even in our time in the sport since say 2001 too. And, and you look at the list of people like, like Aaron Noonan, Mark Glendening, who's now senior editor at Racer in the States. Um, Mark Fogarty. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't going to quite get to folks just yet. He's, he's a bit before <laughs> our generation. Shebex, he's more yours. Um, in fact, he's even before your generation. Yeah, he is too. It, it is one of the great photos in their 50-year thing is a photo of um, Mark Fogarty and our mate David Siegel from uh, the Dark Ages with hair. Quite remarkable. Wow. Um, yeah, truly extraordinary. I'm amazed Siegel let that slip through the uh, cracks and get in the in the publication. Um, so Noonan, obviously, with the Sleuth Empire now um, – Grant Rowley, Andrew Van Leeuwen, who's Australian editor for motorsport.com. Um, you know, Chris Jordan, who's boss of Porsche at PR, Alex Inwood, who was editor of wheels up till this year and is now head of digital for, for the whole group running wheels and motor magazine, Dylan Campbell, who's new wheels magazine editor. Um, the list goes on and on and on of people, young talented journos that have got their start at AA, especially, but also, Motorsport News. I was in the M News camp when I was a junior burger over here in, in South Australia. Um, it's They provide an amazing platform for these kids to get a start in the sport. Um, Actually, I, I, vitally important. I've got to tell you, I started at Motorsport News, but then I sold my soul to the dark side at Auto Action. Yeah. And I've got to say, the biggest pull through I've ever had in my life to this point was from mm. Aaron Noonan when he gave me a spray when he saw my byline in AA. <laughs> my God. And I was, oh. I was backup Queensland correspondent and state level stuff. Like, yeah. The backup. And the spray I copped, that was magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, it was passionate days, passionate days. Dan Jordan, who uh, up till recently was Porsche Motorsport Australia PR boss, uh, up to 2019, um, he and I were the two the two motorsport reporters in South Australia for the magazines. I was M News, he was Auto Action, and we would each of us would take half of the Malala Media Centre and sit there to file our uh, 250 words plus photo. There's an extra 25 bucks if you got a photo published, mm. um, which was vitally important back in those days. And we'd both be there to file our um, file our content and make our Oh, what was your rate? You get about 80 bucks for 200 words or something yeah. like that back in the I day? I've got to tell you, the pay was better at AA. Was it? Yeah, yeah. it was 100 bucks a story. didn't matter the length. You had a word count pay at M News. Yeah, yeah, no, you did. You did. Wow. Yeah, yeah. but good times. And uh, well, done to, well done to Bruce uh, Williams and yes. Heath, who's there full time, and young Dan, who's another good junior coming through. Um, and to the team that, that keeps the magazine alive and, and yeah, keeps some competition 
in the industry and to folks, of course, who is still one of the best news breaking journos out there um, and keeps uh, our other mates over at Speed Cafe on edge and, and keeps that competition going. I mean, while we at the race talk, just sit back and um, sit in the middle in the neutral zone between the two of them, which we very much enjoy. Very, very much. Boys, always great to catch up. We'll do it again next week. Off to the island. See you at Phillip Island this weekend. Uh, Yep, live on the screens of Seven Shebexter. Don't miss it. It's going to be good. Good TV. stuff. Gunny Krause, see you, Mark. See you later. And we'll catch you next week right here on The Grid. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.